Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a Baseball America podcast. Uh, exhausted John Manuel and J.J. <laughs> Cooper. Exhausted and exhilarated. A couple I'm, of, still, uh, I'm still running on adrenaline. Yeah, not me. <laughs> I'm ready to go to sleep. But man, what a World Series and what a Game 7. And uh, we've had a couple of great Game 7s the last three years, J.J., that Royals-Giants game a couple years ago. Epic. Epic epic performance by Madison Bumgarner. The Alex uh, Gordon single-triple that, you know, the tying run 90 feet away. That was a great game, a tight game. But Game 7 of the 2016 World Series, to me, J.J., is going to go down historically as one of the all-time great baseball games, an 8-7 Cubs win. And it's also going to go right alongside, I think, like a Game 6, 1975, as a game in this series – uh, is going to go alongside that 75 World Series. Now, I grew up not, uh, not we, you grew up closer to Major League Baseball than I did, but neither one of us grew up going to a lot of Major League Baseball games. But I grew up about reading, one every two years. Yeah, but we, we, but I grew up the game that really the, the book that really made me want to be a sports writer was Peter Gammons Beyond the Six Game, and one of the things about that book was it talked about how the six game of the 75 World Series and that World Series first he focused on the Red Sox, but also how how baseball changed after that, and one of the things is that with free agency and all that kind of stuff. But that World Series also begat a new a new generation of baseball fans. Really, for the next twenty years until the '94 strike, that game kick, really kickstarted a, a better baseball era after some some downtimes for the sport. And I feel like this this series and that game last night are going to create a lot of fans. For another generation, not just the Cubs are going to become a dynasty. This is not going to be the only World Series they win. I'm confident it won't be 108 years till the next one. I don't know how many they're going to win, but I do think one or two or three. Right. We've we've seen two little mini dynasties of late with the Red Sox winning three from 04 to 2013. That's not really a dynasty, but three in nine years, and the Giants three in five years. I think the Cubs. That's a dynasty if you win three and five. I think so too, and I think especially with Posey and Bumgarner being constants in that. I think the Cubs are going to have some constants in this same mix, JJ, and uh, so this is the end yeah, I think of Chris that Bryant curse. will be around for Anthony Rizzo. I mean, this Addison yeah. Russell. We just keep going. So the but, end of the end of one curse. Uh, I don't feel like the Indians are cursed, but a very tough loss for the Indians. But a hell of a World Series. I think the big winner was baseball. No, I do. I mean, this is an anecdotal thing, obviously. It's, it means nothing. But when you talk about a next generation of fans, this is the first, you know, I, I've my fourth grader asked to stay up later so she could watch some of it. Obviously, she did not make it till, uh, <laughs> till 1 in the morning or whatever it was, Eastern time. But And the first thing she asked when she woke up was who won the game. Now, that's, that's new for me. That's new for, you know, for her to ask that. That was, that was cool. She has friends who were like, you know, they're going to talk about the game today. Yeah. That's something that's new. And that game was, I don't know what else, we were joking about it before we started this podcast, the rain delay, the mini rain delay there before the 10th. I actually preferred that. I needed a couple of minutes to kind of go, you know, yeah, seriously. okay, now let's go again. I mean, it wasn't, it was 12, 15 at night or whatever. And it's like, no, I'm, I want this, I, don't, I want this little break to just because the seventh, eighth, ninth were so amazing, were so tense, and Incredibly that's tense, tense. And that's tense where neither you nor I 
had anything, you know, neither of us were living and dying because we wanted a certain team to win. I, again, if you're a Cubs fan no or you're an in Indians game, fan yeah. or, you know, our friends who work in both, uh, you know, front offices or work, you know, at, at coach, all, you know, scouts, all that, I don't want to imagine what it's like for that. But no, I, can't, I cannot imagine. I cannot fathom that level of tension because you help – Especially if you're a scout who signed players on that team, or if you're the analytics department or whatever, if you work in those 180 guys that the men and women, I'm gonna guess, at the Cubs paraded out on Game Three on the Wrigley Field warning track, and they paraded from one end to the other, so they were on the field and were acknowledged by the organization. If you're one of those people, and you help put this big league team together in some small way, or some large way, like Theo Epstein. <laughs> I can't imagine where you have such influence over the roster and such in, such influence and such investment, but then during the game you're powerless. That feeling would be so hard. Um, and to see Theo watch it, the, the cutaway, several cutaways during the game with his wife and, and son, that was wild. I mean, I just can't imagine the feelings. And he contained himself pretty well. And I love what he said to MLB Network. I watched one of the post-game interviews where he said, Jed's in charge, I'm going on a bender, maybe I'll see you at the winter meeting, maybe not. <laughs> I mean, you know what, that's, that's perspective in a good way. Uh, I could go Tim Meadows with it, I could go Spinal Tap with that word perspective, but I mean, uh, he has perspective. Enjoy it, because man, that work that had to go in was... But that game was so full of tension. So it was just such a great game, JJ. It was, just, it was a good series, but the one thing that it had lacked, really, so there were good games, it lacked the classic game. And we got last, a classic game last now, night. Now, this is the thing I wanted to spring on you in this podcast is... Spring it! I do think, you mentioned seventy, you know, the 75 series, and I do think that is, you know, that's obviously an all-time series. That's a, you Especially that had everything because you had the Red Sox trying to end yeah. decades of futility against one of the all-time great teams. Right. That's a great combo. And I think this one may have it because I think we may be able to look back and not, say... Not that just this, that, but also the Reds trying to get over the hump. You know, the Reds right. hadn't won a World right. Series at that time since, I think, 1919? Is that correct? I think it was. Did they I, don't, I don't think the Reds have won one for a very I, long time. But you're right, because they didn't win 59. They may, you know, they... but they, uh, That was uh, the... The, the Go-Go Sox. Uh, yeah, I don't remember who they lost, but I don't think it was the Reds. But we'll, I will look it up. But... um. But I do think that this Cubs team, when it's all said and done, could end up being one of the all-time great teams. Yes, I would and agree. And so you have a team ending futility, all-time great team, and all-time great game. Right. Because it's a game seven that went extra innings, that had a team coming back from a seemingly near insurmountable lead in the eighth. The Reds had won in 1940 40, and then 1919. Yeah. But so, yes, I actually had a friend text me this morning about the Indians and, and saying that they choked because they were down three games to one and because they were up three one games to one and didn't finish it off. And I'm like, there's no, I can't think of one play or one pitch where the, the Indians Cubs, choked. The Cubs, the Cubs were the team in my mind in the first four games that was playing tight. And that was, if anyone could be said to be choking, it was the Cubs, especially their offense. But uh, the Indians did not choke. The Cubs had to beat them. And the Indians... Like, with one last breath, I stab at thee, you know? And even in the 10th. Yes. Even in the 10th, after, you know, they did it. They got it back. And then, 
Okay, then the Cubs take the lead again. They're like, no, 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 we're not done. And then it's like, oh, wait, oh Mike Martinez Michael is Martinez here. is up. And you're like, and really are. You're thinking at that point. It's like, there is no good scenario for this for them. That was about the best outcome you could expect from Michael Martinez in some ways, realistically. I know he just facing right, Mike Montgomery, which is a whole other story. Yeah. But um, <laughs> he made contact, and he also made weak contact, which in a way, so for him, is like, okay, a, that was a tough play. Right. So. There's so much to unpack out of it. I know but, you were going but, in one direction. It's what I was going to throw out, yeah. though, is, is that I do think, and I may have even said this before because I thought this before this year, but when we talk about when is the best time of baseball, and it's easy to kind of look back and go, I, I know we grew up, you know, we are, the, we are the children of baby boomers. We're Gen Xers, the children of baby boomers. And there's always been this nostalgic glow, and there's been a thousand, and I do literally mean thousands of books written about how great baseball was in the 50s. Right. When it was Mantle and Mays and all that. The and the thing about it is, age. But the thing about it is, is that I do think that this last 15 years, for the there and there are problems with baseball and all that, but I do believe that we, the 21st century baseball, what we've gotten to witness is the best baseball's ever had, and I say that for one because completely agree. When you talk about the fifties, yeah, if you live in if you lived in New York, absolutely, the fifties was the greatest era of baseball because how you can had, you complain? You had Mays, Mantle, Willie, Mickey, and the Duke, and and they and they won. It was the Yankees winning all those years, and if it wasn't, it was the Dodgers. You had the Dodgers, and you had the Giants. Yeah, but yeah, Jackie if you Robinson, lived, yeah, Monty Irvin, right, great players. But if you lived anywhere else at that time, yeah. If you lived in Philadelphia, or if you lived anywhere you know, south, anywhere to the southeast, outside of basically anywhere southeast of Philadelphia, you were pretty much excluded unless you were in the Midwest. I mean, the only southern quote unquote and western but, cities were D.C. and St. Louis. And the yeah, thing about right. this is baseball. But again, all of the power was in New York. Right. So even if you were in a city that had Major League Baseball, it was kind of like, eh. I mean, right. Okay, we got, we're going to get pounded by the New York teams. All you can say about how that was not the golden age is that 22,000 people were there when Roger Maris hit home run number 61. I mean, that if that doesn't define how that was not the golden age, nothing else does for you. If, but, you, can't, if, you, can't, if you can't accept that that was not the golden age, 22,000 people in a 60,000-seat stadium when the guy's chasing Ruth, give me a break, golden but age. But you look at it now and you say, okay, in the last 15 years, we have seen... One all-time franchise because the Red Sox are, I mean, have fans yes. everywhere. Yes. And you had, if you were writing a script, them losing it in 03 is <laughs> kind of like it makes it it makes it a better story. Right. So you had 03, then you had the Red Sox coming back from seemingly dead to win it in 04. Not dead yet. And then <laughs> you've seen them to seen them win it now multiple times. You've had so that's an amazing story. You've had a transformation of a sad sack franchise, you know, lovable losers or not lovable for some people, <laughs> into a, you know almost a they've almost become what all their fans used to resent. They've almost become this evil empire. They're a big right. market bully. But you have the them. Cubs could make that similar transition. You have the Cubs doing this. You have the Royals. Who, yes. You have a team that basically, if you were a Royals fan for twenty years, it was. <laughs> Just marked by sadness, futility, and, and anger. pain. And, I think and an anger. An anger. And anger. I always loved that. I, I don't remember if it was Rainey or Rob or Posnanski. Obviously, Rob, Rob Nyer and Rainey. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce Rainey's last, yeah. last name. I apologize, Rainey. Those guys had that blog about the, the Royals. And they were just offended, and rightly so, 
that their franchise they grew up uh, rooting Which was a model for, franchise. And, that, and that's what they, and that's one of the things as they as they became adults, they realized, wow, this franchise, it wasn't luck. They won because they did things the right way. They did it right. They were a smart, hard playing. Uh, you know, an uh, organization, forward-thinking, progressive organization, and then they became the dumbest organization for a long time, and it offended them, and it should have. So you see that transformation, or again, the Giants. I think it's just underrated for those of us on the East Coast. Uh, the Giants had Mays and Bonds, and never won in San Francisco. I know Mays won in New York in yeah. 1954, but they never won in San Francisco. But Covey, Marischal, Gaylord Perry, they had stinking awesome players. And, and never won. And, and, they, and get, they had literally the greatest, when you, I, I know, performance in hand, but they had the greatest player that almost... Two any, guys who made the argument of best player ever. But, right. <laughs> they had the greatest player that almost anyone listening to this podcast has ever seen play. Like, Correct. I mean, because if you are someone, you have However to, he did it. Right. However he did it. But he if you it. are talking about anyone who is not in their 60s or older... Yeah. Bonds is the best. Bonds had seasons that are beyond anything that we've... I mean, again, and again, really, non, non-mantle division. Seriously, who else is in the discussion in integrated baseball for best player of integration era Major League oh, Baseball and re- the besides is, Mays and Bonds? But the funny thing about it is... Mantle you, and that's it. But, really. but, that's, but really, and if you really talk about it, I mean, Williams. That's all the, Williams. Yes, Ted Williams, okay. But really, if you talk about it, Bonds, Bonds was... <laughs> Bonds was, babe, Bonds was right. seeing Babe Ruth... But who, was, dude, who was 13 the last time the Cubs won a World Series? Right. <laughs> you know, so the. But I'm saying this is such. We are living in. But we're not living also an amazing era in another ways, which we often can take for granted. Because nowadays, I mean, we. Again, I don't want to sound old, but we grew up in a time where we were fortunate. We grew up in a time where there were super stations. And so right. you could watch Cubs games and Braves games. Right. And the game of the week. And then it became like, hey, you can in the morning, you can see highlights on ESPN. That's right. This is great. Because I, when we were kids, younger kids, that didn't exist. You, you, The newspaper box score was literally the only way to know great moment, plays. Moment of silence for the death of the newspaper right. box score, by but, the way. But great plays, you didn't see them. Maybe you saw right. it on This Week in Baseball. Bump, bump, ba-da-da-dum. That was it. I wish we'd seen a little twib notes last yeah. night during the, during the uh, rain delay. But you go from that to now, I can watch any game. I'm, thankfully, we don't live in Iowa, so right. we don't have half of the half the teams blacked out. But you can watch almost any game wherever you are, non-Iowa division, live. You know, and for around around all of baseball, and we can now follow. You know, oh wait, so <laughs> Otani had a great outing last night. Okay, great. I want to watch every pitch, every strikeout that Otani had last night. Yeah, seriously. Okay, I can do that. Hey, what's going on in the you know in the Dominican Winter League? Hey, I can watch that. We college baseball on your iPad. Uh, Everything's just so baseball, saturated. College baseball, which I mean, in our time at Baseball America, it used to be, hey, there's going to be a college baseball game on TV this weekend. Yeah. Great. And now it's something where you can watch pretty much again. It there's more baseball now than you can consume. Which is an awesome thing. But also the game, for all its faults, and yes, there's more strikeouts and all that, but (laughs) 
I, I mean, uh, last night, Aroldis Chapman in the ninth inning, and I, 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 I can't believe he got through that inning because, right? I mean, it is it is amazing when you have nothing, and I mean nothing left, and you're throwing a normal major league spe- velo slider, eighty five to eighty six. That's right. And you're throwing ninety seven to ninety eight. And everyone's like, "You're gas." Yes, and it was. And yeah, he let's was, let's unpack the game a yeah, little bit because yeah, there's there's so yeah. much we could uh, maybe that'll because I'm not focused, so this maybe maybe it'll help me focus yeah. a little bit, but um. A couple things uh, jump out instantly from that game. First off, uh, both managers were second-guessed city. I mean, both of them. Uh, did you agree that Terry Francona left uh, Corey Kluber in too long? Yes. Okay. I mean, th- there's nothing managerial about that Andrew Miller was human last night. Andrew Miller right. did not pitch well. Cody Allen was awesome. Right. Cody Allen was awesome. Would you have handled... Uh, the the rain delay differently, or did you feel like they had to bring Brian Shaw back? It was a 17-minute rain delay. It wasn't that long. It was like a longer half inning. I, I think they didn't have much of a choice there, partly because this was the point. It It's amazing how that game kept flipping back and forth from the standpoint of who had the pitching advantage. Right. The Cubs had the lead the whole time. so that The that, Cubs had the lead basically the last three games of the series, right, pretty much. Right. But if you look at it like, I, I don't like, so I'll, I'll throw it this way. Do you really... After a 17-minute rain delay, are you saying, okay, Trevor Bauer, it's your game? Yeah, that's the question. And the thing is, Trevor Bauer, Trevor Bauer was pretty good last night. was pretty night. good, but he was pretty good. He got two good. big outs but, when they needed it. But he one got of the to, outs, of course, he, was Jason Hayward. But he got to face the bottom of the lineup. This is true. And one of them was Jason Hayward. It was like, the spin. The spin, the spin is his kryptonite right now. So. <laughs> he swung at one that was like. Because he looks like Superman sometimes. Yes. In the ninth inning, I know it was just a fielder's choice. Hit the ball hard. Beat the brother. There was no throw because Coughlin yeah. slide. So that's another yeah. part we got back, but stole second. Got I mean like Jason Hayward was almost the hero, um, but so so I, I think Terry Terry Francona has earned a lot of plaudits um, it, throughout it, the postseason, so, and he earned them all. Last night, I don't think he or Joe Madden had a perfect game. I think he might have had a better game managerial than Joe Madden, but JJ he still got left with the game on the line and Michael Martinez at the plate. I mean, which, I, don't, I don't remember when he used. He uh, he used the, he could have used Naquin even though he was he's had a terrible postseason. But he'd already used I mean right yeah. I, but he pinch ran is that he what pinch he pinch ran Naquin yeah so he pinch ran for Robert Roberto Perez at one yeah, point I, I think that I, that's where you almost wonder like should he have pinch run Michael Martinez but they but they had Martinez in there like they <laughs> that's what I'm wondering could they he have deployed it? but they did deploy Martinez like it's one of those things where what happened I don't, I don't I don't fault that from the standpoint of what happened is is you got to get to that point. And so they had they brought Martinez in because they basically they, because Coco Chris can't, can't throw. throw. And it's like we cannot lose the game. But that's what I'm saying is that if you pinch run Michael Martinez instead of Naquin, then you have Naquin later to pinch hit and for defense, and he's better than Michael Martinez throwing. I mean, like, and it's not like Tyler Aikman wasn't your center fielder all year. So that's the one thing. I mean, I, I yeah. we're, we're, now we're, we're, now we're, let me, well, let me, let me, the I'm, thing I'm that I, granular. the thing that I think Joe Madden had a worse The thing night. getting granular for Francona, I did not like the intentional walks in that inning. In uh, the tenth, yeah. Well, yeah, I think you had to walk Rizzo. I mean, I, I know Zobrist is good, but Rizzo's better. Once Rizzo switched to Caesar's bat, which I don't know if you saw the yeah, drop, yes, the drop, he dropped down in uh, two ounces and an inch, which. He was. He was up the bat. Hey, you know who could have used that? Francisco Lindor. He just looked exhausted at the plate in the ninth inning. I mean, Chapman did not have great stuff, but he was still ninety nine. 
and he just overpowered Lindor. Lindor was over five at the plate. He clearly had it when he needed it defensively in the ninth inning at shortstop. That was a great play, an electric play, and I loved his reaction and everything. But he probably could have used a lighter bat. Um, but Rizzo was sixteen for thirty-seven after he switched bats. Oh, sixteen again. for thirty-seven. I mean, I just I would not have pitched to him in that situation. I thought that was the right move to pitch to to walk him and to pitch to Zobrist. So he didn't think so. I didn't think so, but mainly because. And this was my concern: is is that you? I understand. I mean, I follow it. I understand the logic of it. But you you keep putting more base runners on, and the danger you run into is what happens, which is you you give up you, two runs. You give up two runs instead of one, and we're still we might still be playing if they right. you know if they right. if that had not been that case. Now, but again, I do think the reality of it is is that every move from last night, and it's easy. There's a lot to second guess. Kyle Hendricks, did he probably did Joe Madden probably pull him a little too soon? A lot too soon. That was that to me was the biggest again, and it was consistent how the Cubs won the World Series despite the fact that I think the last three games, I thought Madden handled their pitchers very poorly, to be quite honest. I thought he took Lester out too early in game five, but that's fine. But then it was that he went to Chapman too soon. I mean, you have other pitchers other than Carl Edwards Jr. and Montgomery in your bullpen. You can't no, get no, some no, outs no, in the seventh. No, no. You know. <laughs> he decided at the And then game six, we, we, we talked about it yesterday, was absurd. They paid for it in game seven because Chapman was exhausted. Again, the, the fact, I know that he blew the save, but the fact that they survived that ninth. I, again, that stat that I came up with last night the just looking the ninth, at it. Because the ninth wound up being a 1-2-3 inning. I know, but he had, I mean. He at, was not his best. Certainly. Not just not his best. That was The stat came up with was. If you looked at, it's funny, like I was tweeting out, like, okay, that was 85, that was 86, he has nothing. Didn't and he I throw had, seven straight sliders at and, one point? And I had fans coming, tweeting back at me, it's because he's throwing sliders. And I wanted to yell back at the fans, but I didn't because I don't, I don't try to be mean on Twitter. But it's like, you do know that Aroldis Chapman doesn't throw 85 mile an hour sliders. And so I looked it up. This year, Aroldis Chapman, the year, during the regular season, 972 pitches, he threw 12 that were 85 miles an hour or less. Yeah, yeah. That's Last amazing. night, he threw nine. Yeah, that's just, that's it. Rollis Chapman threw one pitch during the regular season that was 84 miles an hour or less, which was an 84 mile an hour slider. Right. Last night, he threw three. He was literally below the level of velo that he showed ever. He was gassed, he was worn out. He was quantifiably. Overused. He was right. quantifiably overtaxed. Like, it, like, but like Frank Prince said earlier, it was a big ask. It worked out in spite of the fact that it was didn't work because but, he had a three-run lead in the eighth inning and he gave up a two-run homer to, to Rajai. Who, by the way, was, again, I loved it. Rajai Davis was, you know, one it, for twenty-five before the last two. If Anthony Rizzo six. dropped down two ounces at an inch. Rajah Davis just choked up on the bat to, like, basically something... Like a two-strike approach by Anthony Rizzo. Right. And he fouled off 99 and 100, I think. Which was the pitch on the, the outside corner? Which I think was the only 100 that he threw I mean, there. that was... A, he, he spoiled mm-hmm. Chapman's best pitches. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the moves that we actually talked about yesterday on the podcast... I mean, it's not like we're geniuses or anything. They're pretty obvious moves. The using Davis instead of Naquin... And using Geyer, although they started Chisinau, but going to Geyer. Brandon Geyer scored that run. He had a couple hits. Mm-hmm. Brandon Geyer was. He was good. He should have played the whole game. Left handed pitchers. He should have played the whole game. I mean, he's short swing, 
good approach. He just he just should have played more for the for the uh, Indians. I mean, he's not a profile big uh, World Series outfielder, but he was good in this World Series. Hey, he, he, he was he, good in the he, postseason. He stopped left-handed pitchers at over a thousand OPS against left-handed pitchers this year. Yeah, that's he that's did. It. He did exactly that role. And the great thing they knew is is the thing about that game, which was also fascinating, is is because. You knew, you knew before the game started, okay, here's the guys we're going to face. Right. <laughs> you know right. you're going to face Hendricks and Lester and Chapman. Right. And you knew that it was like, we're not, you're not seeing anyone else unless it goes extra. It went extra, and we got Carl Edwards Jr. and Mike Montgomery. And, you know, but I mean, how, about, how about, um, though, for, for me, Kyle Hendricks, uh, again, game seven, I, I really think they took him out way too early. I totally don't understand. Don't bring in. Le- I'm not going to bring in Lester in a dirty inning. I wanted to be a clean inning, and he brought him in, and he bonked. I mean, like you know, he couldn't. He couldn't do. Uh, it was. I mean, that again, was just brutal. I, I, I you knew. You know better than you do it anyway. That's why that move was so. John Lester is a great pitcher, and a standing pitcher. He also is. He has a just, pretty big flaw. Let, let's just put it. He's he's kind of almost like. I mean, he is. He has his quirks. Yeah. And for a guy who needs his... Russell Crowe will play him in the John Lester movie. For, for, for a guy who needs his personal catcher, for a guy who, if the ball is hit, D- David Ross knows, i got to go 50 feet to get it. The best part was like, it's almost, he, was like uh, he was like Moonlight Graham in, in, in the end of Field of Dreams. Like, if I leave the dirt of the mound, I turn into an old man. <laughs> he was like, I mean, he could not leave. like, I'm staying on the mound. The ball's yours. And then the ball's hit back to the should have been double play. And he just kind of like... Ball in glove, I will just throw. I mean, like, it just, I mean, it, it's. He is a, he is a, thi- so that is what tells you, like, Brandon McCarthy tweeted earlier in the postseason, that's how great of a pitcher he really is. is that but he, he has a screw loose, <laughs> he can't get past it, and he's still this good. Mm-hmm. That is how good John Lester is, which is really impressive. We could go on. But for, he's flawed. But he's flawed. But Pretty big flaw. But <laughs> with all that. Then after that, John Lester's like, okay, I got this. Yeah, yeah, and he did get it. And after after that inning, he was really good. He's like, he's like, no, you just needed to give me a clean inning. Yeah. And but then, by the way, I mean, again, David Ross. David Ross is not an all-time great, but David Ross has... I, David Ross has tells you, one tells of you the, how hard the season is, because he's clearly still capable of being a really good backup catcher. Oh, yeah. But the preparation, just like... David Ortiz is clearly still very <laughs> well suited to be a great hit? designated hitter. But everything that goes into the preparation and going through the season, that's what makes it – it has to be so hard. Because look at those two guys still performing at this high level at their age. Or just, again, think about it like a Burley or Dan Heron or these guys who retire because it's just so hard. The offseason the grind the is prep the grind. is so hard. It's just the grind is the grind. So. You know, but, um, but okay – I mean, because we do need to wrap this up because, unfortunately, we also have to finish an, an issue. Yes. The question I'll pose to you, obviously we know that they kept talking on the broadcast like these are two teams who are built to be here multiple times. Right. And when I look at the Cubs, even with the need that they're going to have to, what they're going to have to do is is they're going to have to keep figuring out if Kyle Hendricks can be anywhere close to this, again, it's huge. Yes. But And pitch- I would hold on to that guy because in the two biggest games he had to pitch – Game six LCS, game seven World Series. Again, uh, to quote Tim, the moment Tim, was not too big. That's right, but to quote Tim Corbin, uh, he had a good heartbeat. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a really good heartbeat. So but, I keep him. But John Lester's under contract for a while. But there, that is a team that the rest of the National League knows. We are 
chasing them, and yep. we're going to chase them for a while. And the Cubs most still have these, to figure out the homegrown pitching, JJ. They but, still have to figure but, out to maintain this. But most of these guys, but they don't even have to, though. They don't have to finish out, figure out homegrown. They went out and got, they can go so out. it would make it easier. It would make it easier, but they've shown we can acquire the... Mike Montgomery, I will tell you right now, is going to go from being yes. Bowman of Truth guy in the bullpen to, to key being rotation key rotation piece, piece next year. I, I agree. It's going to happen. They got him for Dan Vogelbach. And he looks suited to thrive in that role. Honestly, they, he looks primed to be a really good starter. They got him for Dan Vogelbach. They can, make trades, they can make trades like that every year. And five years from now, we can go, wow, that guy's really worked out well in the rotation. As right. Ben tweeted out... Ben Ballard for us tweeted out last night, they almost, because Edwards ended up leaving the game, but they almost began and ended the game with the 2011 Rangers draft picks who right. they picked up. I mean, I, just to me, like their, their best pitching prospects internally, I haven't started working really besides just some prep work on the Cubs' top 30, um, but their best pitching prospects are in full season balls, Trevor Clifton. Mm-hmm. They have Rob Zastrizny, mm-hmm. who came to the big leagues late, and I think will probably play... The Mike Montgomery role in 2017 is Montgomery moves in the rotation, mm-hmm. um, or he could, you know, they could flip. They could keep Montgomery in the bullpen, and, and Zastrzyzny could be the starter. I, I think it's more likely Montgomery starts. But then the other guys in the organization, their best arms are short season guys, Dylan De La Cruz C. and Dylan Cease. You know, Dylan Cease is the best young arm, and uh, Oscar De La Cruz is probably the next best guy, and is a bigger guy than Cease, and has more starter traits but- to use the Pirates term. So, but those are their. It's not a giant. That's there's a reason why they only drafted six position players in the draft this year, and that all the rest of the guys are pitchers. They do want and need to develop homegrown pitching. They can do it without it. They can win without it, and they can sustain without it because their homegrown position player core is huge. And JJ, their, their what do they do with Schwarber? Core is not even. So, what do they do with Schwarber? Does he play left field? Then what happens to Zobrist? They still have one guy too many. I mean, like that's to me that's the thing is I, I still, they got one guy too many. I still don't know right now. I know, you know, with the knee injury, it does cloud it. But do you really, like, they love versatility. Do you really still try to figure out a way to make Schwarber a 25-30 game? Like, pick him. To make him Evan Gaddis. Pick him one, even (laughs) if it's one pitcher. Five, you know, every fifth day. Kyle Hendricks. That's the guy he used to catch because he had trouble with velocity. Every fifth day, you put him behind the plate. He played, again, where you're rotating around. That, that's a possibility, but I, it's hard to see how you can get rid of that bat. Oh, you cannot. I mean, yeah. I think we saw in the World Series, they played four games with Schwarber and three without him. Record with Schwarber, line. three and one. Record without him, one and two. I mean, there's just no question that that guy is as good as Anthony Rizzo is and as good as Chris Bryant is and Addison Russell. You grade out the hit tools on that team, he's got the best hit mm-hmm. tool. You grade out the power, he's right there with Rizzo and Bryant for best power. And you just saw the savvy last night with a stolen base. I mean, like, I know he got thrown out a second. That was the night before. Yeah, go on, try to extend that. Trying to extend that one, but that's two outs. You're trying to get into scoring position. I know that you have Bryant and Rizzo coming up behind him, but that's what you're supposed to do. To, to take you, When you take a risk like that with two outs to get in scoring position, that guy is not just a great hitter, but he's a great baseball player. You just got to find. He's not a well-rounded baseball player, but he's a great baseball player. So if you can, if you can be healthy and be your left fielder, to me, he's your left fielder. But so that's the Cubs. We know that they're going to be back. Yes. Cleveland. It's easy in some ways to say, "Hey, you know, this is a Cleveland team that did this, even without their pitching staff, because you expect Salazar to be healthy, you expect Carrasco to be healthy." 
I they have a they have a better farm system right now than the Cubs do. So they do have more, you know, even after making the trade, the fact that they didn't make the Lucroy trade right. ended up really helping them because it meant that they held on to Mejia and che- I mean they they they, they, they it, it helped them because it, Greg Allen, there's guys that they kept who are valuable guys who they ended up not needing Lucroy it would appear. You could I don't think you could say that Jonathan Lucroy would have been the difference. Maybe he would have, but you know, it's Hard right. to say. Well, they, they but, kept some prospects and then instead went to go get Andrew Miller. They probably wouldn't have been there. I think postseason-wise, you'd rather have Miller than Luke. Right. But, um, but I mean, there, those were two different packages. Right, I, mean, there, there I was, understand. There was no one involved, it would appear, that it was in... But, but would they have made the Miller deal if they had made the Luke Roy deal? I don't know. Well, I, I, I would think you probably would A lot would've. of prospects. I, I, don't, I don't think they would have. But, but I do look at them and say... I don't think... The National League, it is like the Cubs are here and everyone... Is going okay? We are two steps behind trying to catch them. Yes, in the American Maybe one, but yes, I mean they do have to deal with the Dodgers. Right, the Dodgers have as much money or more money than the Cubs, but and they have resources, they have prospects, they have Kershaw, they have Seager. Right, that could be an epic battle for right. the next five years between those two franchises. But you look at the American League. And I do not look at this Cleveland team and say this. Oh, is... they're steps ahead. Right. No, they, 90, they... ninety-eight million dollar payroll, so they're in the twenty to thirty range of payroll. And the Indians were twenty-eighth uh, in attendance they'll in do, Major League Baseball this that year. Next year, but I hope so. They were behind Miami this right. year. They're behind the good guys. I mean, come on! But so I hope they make a big jump next year. But they have more work to do. They Correct. don't like you look at this Cubs team, and literally, it is it is. It's almost, it is maintenance. Because as you said, they have too many position players. Right now, even with, you know, you, you can't figure out how to fit everyone in. Right. You look at Cleveland and you say, okay, you really, they need to fix that outfield. Right. Well, you, you, you they piece it together. You look at Cleveland, you're like, okay, you hope Jan Gomes becomes old Jan Gomes again. Mm-hmm. You, you could use that. My Napoli's 34-35 and he looked in the World Series. It was not a factor and, offensively and, and in the series. And they've got an answer maybe long, maybe long term, but... Bobby Bradley or 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 Mejia. I mean, let's be honest. Who they're who's or more Carlos Santana or you know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they've got. But they have guys coming. But they're they're always they're still a year or Those two. Those are an A ball. Those guys are in high yeah. A. And Bobby Bradley for back to back home run titles in A ball. Strikes and out a lot. He strikes out a lot. And he hits two thirty. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like him, but I don't but love him. But yeah, you can't say okay. Well, he's Jason in, Kipnis is getting close to thirty. He's twenty nine, he, maybe thirty. This but is he's twenty nine season. But he's cornerstone guy. He is, but for how long? I mean, like, the main thing is that they have a core of pitchers, but they saw how fleeting that can be. And they have Lindor. And they have Lindor, and they have uh, Jose Ramirez. Is 20, both those guys are 22, 23, 24 years old. And, and they have the key thing about all of this is, is that, hey, the Cubs, Orles Chapman did the job that they wanted him to do, and now he hits free agency. They have the Miller. Indians are like, we, don't, we, have, we have Andrew Miller, and we get to keep him next year. And, I mean, this On is, the mound, the Indians are set for the next year or two, you would think. But pitching is more fleeting. That's why the Cubs method got them so good so fast because they built through these cornerstone position players. And, I mean, out of all the players on both these teams, who would you want to start a franchise with? For me, it's Chris Bryant. As good as Francisco Lindor is, it's Chris Bryant. And the next guy might be Lindor, but the next guy after that might be Russell. I mean, Addison Russell's really good, and he Mm -hmm. still has so much room to get better. And he had six RBIs in Game Six of the World Series. So um, the Cubs are going. I do. I agree with you. I think the Cubs are going to be good for the next for the foreseeable next five years. 
I think the Indians probably will be, but, but the they have the more Indians work do to have. do. The advantage the Indians have right now is, is that you look at that division and you say, okay. Which has sent, which has won the pennant by the, way, the American the, the, League for the, the last five years. It's the American years. League juggernaut right now. It yeah. is. For the last five years, I, that's amazing. Tigers with a pennant, Indians with a pennant, two for the Royals. But you look at it and you say, okay, the Twins are really uh, still a ways away. In their, the Twins are about to get blown up. They're starting over, essentially. Yes. But they do have a young core of some sort, but they are starting over. They're not... They're, they're not, not a aim, factor for the next three years. For, they're not opinion. aiming for 17. They're aiming for 18 or 19. I would and say they're not going to be a thing. factor for two years at least. But, okay, the Royals have really one last shot. Yes. And that team's blown up at the end of 2017. They could get blown up in the middle of 2017. Right, they could be blown up in the middle of 2017. I understand you can't blow them up now because you are crazy when right. you are one year removed from back-to-back World Series appearances and a title, you keep them all together and you try one more time. Correct. And everyone there knows, okay, if you win if you win 65 games in 2018, everyone, when Dayton Moore walks through the stadium, everyone should pat him on the back and say, thank you, Dayton. Right. I love the trophy. I love the, you know, the, exactly. you know it's great. Well, I love my memories. Right. I'll go back and watch the games again. That's right. But so they're, they're not going to be a long-term challenger to the, I don't see how they're trying to challenge the The Indian. Tigers have the third or fourth highest payroll in Major League Baseball in 2016, and they need to blow things up unless they go forward in 2017 themselves. But, and they don't have a farm system to, to, to stay with the Indians. You have it sitting right in front of you, don't you? You, know, you have the Twins. I have the Tigers sitting right in that front of me. That is one of the bottom five farm systems. You know, it is. I thought coming into the process, I was like, hey, they had some guys no. at Lakeland. No, no, they don't. It's a, bottom, a, it's, it's a, a bottom five to seven. There's no question. So you have them. And the White Sox, again... Oh, that's a bottom five farm system. That's a bottom five farm system. So, and, a, and, a, and frankly, a process that just doesn't work consistently. You know, So, just, uh, so that, the advantage they have is, is you look in their division, and Cleveland, again, I could see Kansas City, <laughs> their last spurt. Yes. They could, I mean... Or the Tigers. Or the Tigers. The Tigers do, to the Tigers' advantage, they still have Cabrera. And they still have Verlander. Yes. And those two guys are still great. Yes. Ian Kinsler still had a great year right. this year. They do still have key pieces to contend in 2017. But the key pieces they thought that they were getting to be this next wave is Jordan Zimmerman and Justin Upton. Zimmerman got off to a great start. They got hurt and stunk. And Justin Upton had a, like a good month and a half if at they, end of the if year. If they could trade Justin Upton, they probably They'd do it. But, but... You look at the American League and you say, if, if I if you if I could buy stock in Boston right now or New York or New York for the next five years rather than Cleveland, they have advantages also. Or Houston or, or Houston, Texas or Texas. I mean, so yeah, they have more competition in the American League than the Cubs have in the National League. I agree with you on that one, but the Cubs could be a dynasty, and uh, well, the that Cubs hasn't right been now, said for a long time. The funny thing about it is, is that when you look at what they did last year, also because you don't erase what they did last year. I mean, they won ninety. They won two hundred games the last two years in the regular season. They are. They are right now. They are one more hundred win World Series champion away from it's a dynasty at that point. I agree. You can be. They can do much more than that. But when you talk about the dynasties, and especially dynasties in the free agency era, you know, again, you talk about... To the, me, we've had two dynasties of the free agency era um, that stick out. Well, I guess, because uh, to three. me, the Big Red Machine was pre. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, uh, who, who besides the Yankees and the Giants, who's the third? I, I give the Braves, they are, they, are a, they are a flawed dynasty, but... 
Well, that's a tough call. That's a whole other podcast. We're the Braves of Dynasty. Because if they had not won one, you could... I guess so, but... But you are talking about a team... 14 division titles in a row is insane. 14 division titles in a row. Yes, And you right. are talking about, I mean, that especially that early 90s where you say, okay, you went in 91, you went in 92, you win it in 95, you went in 96. I mean... That is that's four, a dynasty. Four World Series in six, se- seven. They don't seasons. compare to the Buffalo Bills because the Buffalo Bills never won. Because they, they won, won it. I mean, again, they don't win in '95, and it's an entirely different story. But you win it, and you go all those times. It's a dynasty. I would agree. The Cubs could be four, and uh, it's further proof uh, of to me of uh, uh, the strength of the sport, the health of the sport. By, by the way, as crazy as it sounds, throw. To, but if the Royals did bounce back and win it again next year. You probably have to throw them. You in have the to throw them in three World Series and two titles. I don't in think. Four years. Of I mean, they're not favored to do that anyway. But if right. they did that, three three World Series and two titles in four years, you're a dynasty. I'll just say that the I'll throw this in the Hollywood Reporter story that I'm seeing. I'm sure it's elsewhere. In metered market results, the the, the uh, game seven got a massive twenty five point two slash forty rating. I don't know TV, but I just it's know a forty share. So a forty, 40 share. So just comparing comparing it. The Super Bowl got a 49 slash 73, so right. half the Super Bowl, which is fine, but it's bigger. It's a 66 percent increase over the 2014 Game Seven, which was um, epic. Which was which was a big, which was a good rating at 15. Right. Uh, so um, the November One Game, Game Six, the best Game Six since 1997, 23.4 million ratings in Chicago, 51.5 rating. So. Uh- Pretty big point, deal. Do they have a slash on that? Because I mean, I, I can't I imagine. Don't. What is the TV in Chicago yeah. that was, you know. I think it was 2 million people in Chicago were watching the game. So that's a lot of people. Uh, it's a very lot. Because I'm just trying to imagine, like, being in Chicago and not watching that game. So in the 2004 World Series, the Red Sox sweeping the Cardinals, that got a $25.4 million, uh, $25.4 million viewers on average for that series, which. Um, the 2014 World Series, the, compared, so compared to 2014, this, this series was up 63% in viewership. So the Cubs are a big story. I do think that they, well, the, this series was great for baseball. The, with seven games was great for baseball. And the Cubs, it was hard. Every, every, the Cubs had to earn it at every step. They had to overcome the Giants. They lost the game to the Giants and had to overcome uh, that, that ninth-inning deficit. They had a six-game series with the Dodgers. The Dodgers certainly tested them. They were down in that series two games to one. Down in this series three games to one. They earned it. I don't think the, I don't think the Indians choked whatsoever. No. I, I thought the Cubs overcame but, a lot. Now the one thing that does that does mean now is, is that Cleveland now Cleveland is now the long-suffering baseball franchise. No question. But at the same time. <laughs> they're basking in their glow of their their Cavs. If they had not had LeBron, I can't imagine how oh. awful that would have been. By the way, who was fired up? Who, oh yeah, no, that was maybe the best shift of the game. <laughs> but also, J.R. Smith taking, a, you know, like taking off his shirt to, you know, help. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that 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 started the rally. Yeah, they kickstarted the rally. There's no here, question. Here, you know, you can do your cap backwards and upside down, and all J.R. Smith's like shirts off. Okay, Quan <laughs> John Davis, here we go. But but what I was gonna say is is that we now having in our lifetime. I mean, this is to me maybe the way to wrap this up. Just think about there are literally. There were generations right. of fans in Boston and Chicago who 
dreamed their whole life of getting one time to celebrate a world championship. Yeah, making it, fun of the Cubs and Red Sox droughts, that defined baseball writing for a long time. And it, a, a long, uh, it was always it was omnipresent. You couldn't talk I, about baseball without talking about what? the Cubs and Red Sox droughts. For some reason, the White Sox drought didn't register, but whatever. But you look at that and... Like, watching last night afterwards, there were some great commercials afterwards. Watching this morning, I tweeted it out, the Cubs official. Yeah, you know, that like, was good. The one with Eddie Vedder singing? No, the one, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, with the going fans and all that yeah. and showing, you know. Everyone listening to this, if you are old enough to remember the Red Sox also, you've witnessed something that literally generations of fans dreamed of and never got to see. Right, right. And... You don't even have to be a fan of those. I mean, unless you're, I understand if you're a Cardinals fan and this just like cuts to the core because you're like, no, we enjoy being the dominant National League team and, you know, our rival basically never winning. I understand that. Right. Like, that's that's rivalry. I get it. Like, if I, I could not say this about the Ravens winning a Super Bowl and go, <laughs> oh, yeah, I feel good for the Ravens because I, I get it. If the Cleveland Browns won a World Series, I almost would that. Like, oh, pat them on the head. Oh, it's so cute they did. Really? You know, that's, okay. That I, that's they're, they're so they're so downtrodden. I, I did actually tweet <laughs> afterwards. That's what Theo's got left to do. The Go next the job Browns. is I know Depot's there. Already a baseball guy's there, but the next job is Theo. I would say what's next for Theo is to run for president. Right, so. but, but Theo basically goes. You know what? The Browns are the last remaining, like you know, yes. completely downtrodden franchise. I'm going to take them to it. I'm going to bring it. But I like um, Clippers. But yeah, that's 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 a bridge too far. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but. It is something where you, you look at this and say, you don't have to be a fan of the Cubs to enjoy watching Cubs fans. I mean, there was a great video tweeted last night of, uh, I think it was a woman who videoed her her 81-year-old grandfather who's a lifetime Cubs fan, and like his reaction afterwards, like they, you know, like yeah. they did it. 81! He is in whole, whole life. It's like, okay, is this ever going to happen? You... This is great for baseball, but I, there is this slight bit of it is a bummer in some ways in that, I, I'm sorry, Cleveland 48 is not the same. It's not the same. We, we now have, we've, we've checked off the last of the, basically, okay, the teams who had not won one since World War I. Right, the ones who, the ones who were ascribed to curses. For some reason, those things, maybe it was just a literary... Uh, the 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 literature about both franchises. A lot of, a lot of authors made a lot of money, yeah, basically. Those things based ha- off of purses. That's it. Those things. I, I was saying with Matt Eddie in here the other day, like how different would baseball history be if the Red Sox had won in '67 or if the Cubs had won in '69? You know how different would things have been in the way that these franchises were viewed or uh, in some parallel universe? Worse? Huh? Would it be worse? I think it would be worse for baseball. Yeah, I think so. So I think those uh, and exercising those demons, I think, is great for baseball, and you need those storylines. Um, what's next? I do think it's a Cubs dynasty, and them being like the Yankees, and that they're the team that everyone has an opinion of. And I'm totally stealing this from Mike Greenberg. I mean, I thought of myself, but on Mike and Mike, he said this: they'll be the team that you either love or you hate. There'll be no in between. They'll be the 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 national team in the major leagues, along with the Yankees and the Red Sox, and they already kind of were, but they'll be, I think everyone will have a more of an opinion well, about them, and that's, I think that's good for baseball. The, the one last thing to remember with this, and we keep trying to wrap up, but it's hard to because this is just too fun to talk yes. about, but the last thing to remember with this is the, the other part of what the Cubs have done. It's not just that they've rebuilt the organization as far as talent and all, but much like what's, what happened in Boston, this has been an organization that has rebuilt the revenue streams. Yes. They've kept it at Wrigley, 
But Wrigley in 2016, 17, 18, 19 is very different than Wrigley in 20, 2005, 2006. Right. And so what that's also going to do is the Cubs have always, the Cubs problem in many ways has always been, the, the Red Sox problem partly was racism. Um, no, not partly. Time. It was not massively oh, racism. Oh, we don't want that Willie Mays player. He cannot yes. play for our team. Clearly he's not talented enough to do this. But the Cubs problem was is that for the longest time, they were a big market team that was run to... Yes, the Tribune a, Company was penurious. They knew... We're selling out the bleachers whether we win 60 exactly. or 105. That's right. And they were run that way for so long. They're right now, they're being run as a where team. Winning in, matters first. Winning matters first and where the revenues will match and the, and the spending will match because that is a cash cow. That's right. And they've turned Wrigley. They're turning Wrigley. There's only so much you can do. Yeah. It's a footprint, it. but they're doing what you can to turn into the cash cow that it should be. Right. So uh, they didn't even do... So I think that tells you how good the Cubs were. They didn't even do everything right in this series. And they oh. still won it. And they, um, they won 103 games in the regular season. They win the World Series. That's a, a pretty doggone good year. And, this- and, and, and I don't think it'll be the last doggone good year for Cubs fans. But I would love to see a rematch. I'd love to see be- um, the Indians back retooled and let's let's see them healthy. healthy with Carlos Carrasco and Danny Salazar full strength it'd be fun to watch it, it, this is fun Again, tip of the cap to the Indians to Corey Kluber Andrew Miller all those guys who've got the, uh, Francisco Lindor very fun team to watch and Baseball America listeners thank you for going along with yeah. us through this postseason podcast ride you know this has been fun doing this every day we still got to post that 18U one we got to talk AL, Cent- AL East top 10s yeah. we got to talk that's AL what Central I think we'll start doing is, is yes. you know, Give us your feedback. Tweet it to us at jjcoop36 at John Manuel BA. Email it to podcast at baseballamerica.com. Yep. Let us know. I mean, we, we're thinking about keeping this like hopefully shorter than this, but like maybe yeah. maybe tomorrow we knock off Baltimore, man. Then you know we just something like, daily. Like, but uh, but if you're a Baseball America subscriber, we thank you. Baseball America reader, this is also great from the standpoint of this is what you saw being built. Like this Cubs team. The Cubs were an all-time epic top 100 prospects, yes. and we we've wrote been, about that. We've been telling you they were you know, coming, Chris just like Bryant, we told you that the Royals were Chris coming. Chris Bryant, Addison Russell, Javi Baez, Kyle Schwarber, these are all top 20 prospects not that long ago. And the year before the Royals win it, that was an all-time top 100 team with Eric Hosmer and Mike Moustakis and Will Myers yes. and Danny Duffy and Mike Montgomery, who got right. the save last night and all that. Kind of, kind of. I don't mean, and now we're going into the next offseason, and what we're trying to figure out is, 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 the, is this Yankees, you know, is this an all-time? Sticker, thanks you for sticking around. Thank you for subscribing. That's why we do what we do. We appreciate all the feedback, and we enjoy doing this. It's fun to be able to do this and talk about baseball and write about baseball, and thank there, you. There's no question. Um, so thanks. Give us the feedback. Well said, JJ. And thank you for uh, talking about it every morning with me. And we hope you guys enjoy it. So we'll be back on the next podcast. For JJ Cooper, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next time. So long, everybody. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.